I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to this week's Failed Critics Podcast. I'm Steve Norman. I'm joined by Owen Hughes. Hello. Andrew Brooker. Evening. And Paul Field. Evening, fellas. As we tackle this last week or so in film, including the release of Deadpool and our very own Oscars preview, which will also cover some BAFTA news. Um, in lack of any real movie news, other than what's going to be covered in our Oscar preview... Um, we're going to go straight on to the quiz where it's two all. Winner takes it all. Uh, Brooker and Paul against my fine self. Um, it is indeed. Yeah. It is indeed. But basically, as well as um, yeah, the Oscar preview, we're talking about some new releases. Deadpool being probably the biggest of the ones we're going to discuss later on. So this week's quiz is a Deadpool of sorts. I'm going to give you an actor each. You've got five actors each. And you have to tell me whether they're dead or alive. Mm. Simple as that. All right. <laughs> Bit morbid, but you know, in <laughs> keeping with the uh, the main release. So, um, Brooker and Paul, you guys can go first for a change. All right. First actor is Wayne Knight, aka Dennis Nedry from Jurassic Park, Newman from Seinfeld, plenty of other things. I... Is he alive or dead? Do you know who that is Brooker? Ain't that the 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 fat computer guy? The big fat guy, yeah. I'm yeah. guessing because we don't know who he is, he must be dead. No, he's alive. I'm sure. I'm sure I've seen him in sitcoms like recently. Okay, well, I trust you. Don't trust me, mate. Well, I'm just. I'm just. I'm just going. For, I'm, I know Owen's mind. Yeah, he's alive. So one point earned so far. Thank God well for done. that. <laughs> Steve, your first actor is Peter Falk, aka Columbo. <laughs> He's dead. <laughs> he is dead. Indeed. Yes. And one more thing. He's dead. <laughs> yep. So, good start. Um, Brooker, Paul, second actor, Leslie Nielsen. He's dead. Definitely <laughs> He's dead. Indeed. Quite recently, though, I've heard. <laughs> so Steve heard. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking BBC. <laughs> Pay my licence fee, they stitched me up. <laughs> okay. Second one for Steve is James Khan, aka Sonny from Godfather. He's a... he is mm-hmm. alive. He is alive. Yes. Two wall. Okay, Brooker, Paul. It's getting slightly more tricky now. I think perhaps. I should hope so. John Saxon, aka the white American guy from Enter the Dragon. 
So not the black guy and not the Chinese guy. Bobby White with a surname like Saxon, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Just give it away a little bit. I have no idea. He's he's Oh god, I always get them wrong. Oh, I'm gonna go I'm going for Brooker. He's deed. He's alive. <laughs> what what happens? I mean, hypothetically, if you would put Walt Disney in this, because isn't he cryogenically frozen? So he's... <laughs> yeah, but technically, I think he's he's a goner. Pretty dead. <laughs> yeah, he's pretty pretty dead. But he's not in this. So Steve, your next guy is your average corpse. He's dead. <laughs> uh, Peter O'Toole, Steve, also known as Lawrence of Arabia. Dead, isn't he? He is dead. Fuck's sake. I knew that one as well. <laughs> <laughs> Back to book out, Paul. You've got Diane Keaton. She's alive, isn't she? Please tell well, me that's for you to tell me. I can't answer that yet. <laughs> did she not? Did... Oh, God. I don't know, mate. I think she might be dead. <laughs> no. I don't know. We're talking, you know, the, the bird from The Godfather. Also, yeah, also from The Godfather. Yeah, she's still alive. You going for alive? Yeah, she's in She's in the new fucking Pixar thing. Yeah, yeah, she's alive. Yeah, well done. Don't rely on me, Brooker. I'm rubbish. I've got them all wrong so far, apart from one of Steve's. <laughs> it seems your tactic should be whatever Paul says. She was in the fucking Christmas with <laughs> Coopers as well, wasn't she, like, like, three months ago? Quite recently, yeah. <laughs> around, around Christmas. Around Christmas. Yeah. Three months ago. <laughs> Fuck <Yeah>. off. <laughs> Steve. Yeah. You've got Ving Rhames, a.k.a. Marcellus Wallace oh, in Pulp Fiction. He's dead. Oh, he's alive. How do I you think... not know he's alive? In real danger of, of sounding racist, I was thinking of the other one. The one from Green Mile. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. My girlfriend's black and can get away with this. <laughs> in this season of like the controversy around the Oscars and like the lack of but, diversity, and Steve says the other one. Well, black one. What, what you need to do to get me out of this is just as the picture that you put up for this podcast, just me and my girlfriend, because she's black and I'll get away with it. It's fine. That was very Basil Fawlty. I think I mentioned it once, but I've got away with it. Mm. We will move on. Yeah. Uh, Brooker, Paul, Joan Rivers. Ah. Now she's uh, she... definitely alive. Really? No. Is she? I just saw her on a documentary not long ago. She, unless she's died very recently. Might not be a new documentary that you watched though. She she died a couple of years ago. I'm oh, sure she, she did. Fuck. Mate, still whatever <laughs> the opposite to whatever I say. <laughs> this this is um, this is a solid plan. Paul says she's dead, so she no, Paul says she's alive, she must be dead. She died in twenty fourteen. Oh! Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well done, Brooker. <laughs> Wow, that was a close one then. <laughs> what did I see? So, I can't remember now. She did look old know. and fucked. <laughs> she was like 80 when she died. Yeah, she, might she, eight, was... she might have been 79. Yeah, she was quite old, I think. Good, yeah. in, good innings. Um, Steve, then. You need this to tie and go to the tie break. Right. It's Ricardo Montalbam, a.k.a. Khan! Massive card. I I think he's dead. He's dead. He's dead. We have a tie break. (laughs) So the tie break is basically the first one to guess the date, as in the year. I'm not bothered about the month or the day, but the year 
Fastest finger first. The year that Christopher Reeve died. 2005. No. 2006. No. 2009. No. 2001. No. 2007. No. 2004. Yes. That would be the most ridiculous fucking tiebreak chase ever. That's a fast of a tiebreak. I've maintained my proud record of either getting everything right as I did in the train spotting quiz or every single everything question right. wrong. What we can yeah, do... Being so confident what, what as we, well, Paul, and then still being so wrong on each one. What, what we can do is is wait until the end of the podcast for Owen to think of a better tiebreaker. I thought that was quite good. That it was shit. Tense, oh, was come on. Shout out numbers. <laughs> yeah. And you, missed, and you missed a trick because you could have picked... As one of the dead, the dead or alive celebrities, people, actors, the guy who plays Flash Gordon. So then the person who got it could have gone, Gordon's alive. <laughs> yeah, maybe. This is why you, you should probably go back to your him. own punchlines. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Owen, did Steve write that tiebreaker? No, no, that was all me. Wow, well, it was so bad. I was, you know... It's it's harder doing a quiz than what it looks like, isn't it, Owen? Well, that was okay. I don't know what you lot are complaining and about. I've, and I've never, your voice and I've, is going way up there, buddy. Yeah. And I'll bring it back there. And, and I've never forgotten the tiebreaker before. <laughs> I did it once, and you have never let me forget that. Well, it is quite an important factor of a quiz. Fucking <laughs> shambolic. Yeah. Well, Steve, do you want to know what film you're going to watch? No, but you're going to tell me anyway. I am going to tell you. It's on UK Netflix. Oh, good. It, it's not too long. It's an hour and 45. It is... Antichrist by oh, Lars von Trier. Oh, oh, oh no! Oh, Starring Steve, bless Willem you, my Dafoe, son. Charlotte I had, Gainsbourg. I had something nice for you to watch. You, you would have probably enjoyed, but you, I might have to revise that for next time. That's the animatronic fox, isn't it? Yes, oh, but dear. depending on what you think of it, I mean, some people see it as a really good film. It's I not. struggled to get it because I think that to really understand it, you've probably got to have been depressed at some point in your life and i'm quite i am now after losing it bloody <laughs> yeah but you got yeah, pretty so fucking there's, depressed um... i fucking hate that film it's terrible yeah, so terrible film. It's, it's very it made me want to cut my own clit off <laughs> yeah and take a hammer to my th- hammer to my yeah. car yeah so you've got all that to look forward to now steve mm. good good yeah mm. like that it's that time of year again time for the most prestigious event in uh, the film award season that's where we predict the oscars i thought uh, you were going to say we've got another corridor of praise then no the yeah, most film prestigious awards. of awards <laughs> <laughs> no we we are predicting the oscars and see if we can predict who the academy will give the award to on the big night. We're picking both what we think will win and what we want to win. It's what, yeah, exactly that. Exactly that. What we think is going to pick up an award as well as something that you hope will win. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily have to be realistic. It's just off the list there. And what we think will win is going on to our, uh, our team sheet, essentially, as to our predictions. It is, yeah. yep. So when you guys come back in two weeks... 
on the 29th of February, after the awards, which are held on the Sunday, the 28th of February, we will run through and find a winner. And there'll be prizes, Owen. Prizes. There will be. I've already put a whole stack of, bizarrely, John Hughes DVDs and Blu-rays to one side. How did you end up with a bunch of John Hughes Blu-rays? I have no idea. Just a long story. But but anyway, they're they're spare. They're all duplicates. Anyway, the the first one is the big one. uh, Best Mm -hmm. picture. Mm -hmm. Which is between The Big Short, Bridge of Spies, Brooklyn, Mad Max Fury Road, The Martian, The Revenant, The Room and Spotlight. Brooker, who who would you like to win and what do you think will win? I would like... The Revenant or Mad Max to win. I mean, I'd kill for Mad yeah. Max to win, but that'll never fucking happen. Uh, I'd really like The Revenant to win because I do genuinely think it's the best film uh, that's not Mad Max to come out this year for the Oscars, but it's almost guaranteed it's going to be Spotlight. Do you reckon? I do. I think, it's the, I think the subject matter puts it at number one. It seems to be a little bit um, under the radar compared to some of the other big names there. I mean, like The Revenant is being banded about quite a lot. You've got Bridge of Spies, obviously, with the Spielberg stuff. I think people are perhaps overlooking Spotlight. Yeah. Out of all of those, I've not seen Brooklyn. I've not seen The Big Short yet, um, but Mm -hmm. I've seen the rest. I'd, I'd I'd like Room or Mad Max Fury Road to win uh room i just thought was was spectacular and mad max fury wrote i just love uh, a you know big action-packed special effects filled summer blockbuster to win an oscar for best mm-hmm. picture it'd be great i think it'd make quite a statement really about what big budget action movies can be but i think realistically spotlight will win it possibly the revenant but most likely spotlight both gone for spotlight. That's interesting. I've gone. I don't think it. I want it to win. I want spotlight to win. It's my favourite of the films listed there. Well, you said it was one of your favourites of all time, didn't you? I really do think so. Has, yeah. Has that not waned since seeing it? Now is that still, you know, your, or you know, is is the initial Im- impression yeah. of it died off a bit? Not really. No, not at all. Actually, I still, I still think about it and. You know, I talked to people on, uh, who I know about the film. Uh, someone I know emailed me yesterday to say they've just watched it and absolutely loved it also. And as they were talking about it again, I started to think, yeah, it really was just a fucking amazing movie. Um, so I really do want it to win. However, I don't think it will. I think The Revenant's going to win. Mm, I think The that. Revenant is a pretty nailed on winner. But Paul, you have the actual... You've got the actual bookies' favourites there. Yeah, well, uh, I think... um, Mm -hmm. Well, actually, no, we'll go back. I want Spotlight to win. I'm like you. I I thought it was amazing. But (laughs) I think I described it as the best film I'd ever seen that I wouldn't want to watch again. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, However, I think The Revenant might steal it. Now, it's a tricky one. I've got all of the um, expert predictions and... It's kind of tightened up a little bit. 40% of them think Spotlight. 32% think The Revenant. But the bookies oh, wow. today after BAFTA, you've, they've gone odds on for The Revenant. It was second favourite behind Spotlight. It's now gone odds on favourite ahead of Spotlight. So it's still close. It's one of those two. But even the big short, it's far behind. It's out of those three. 
Really? The big short? Yeah, it's 7 to 2. I know a lot of people who just, just are surprised that it's been nominated. Oh, I, I love the big short. I thought it was amazing. And the way it explained the kind of all the financial stuff, which is it's really <laughs> not that engaging, is it? No. But well, I... celebrities and do the little visuals. and any, I, I just thought that was really clever. There's um, a HBO TV movie, which is based on a book that I really liked, actually, called uh, Too Big to Fail. Uh-huh. Which goes into all the background of the, uh, you know, the Lehman Brothers collapse and the sort of knock-on effect and how the whole financial crash occurred, uh, which I think is fantastic. But So I did really want to see The Big Short, but I've heard a few people knock it and say it's a bit... No, crap. no, it's absolutely no, it's not very, crap. Very it's good. Really good. I've got a little anecdote here. I, I, one of my best friends, who was the best man at my when I got married, um, he's now, I want to say, living in Hong Kong, but he's actually sort of hiding out in Hong Kong. He <laughs> right. rang me one day and said um, he just left Newcastle and he was stopping off in Leicester. Uh, he just dumped a load of toxic waste on his way back to the office. Translation, if you send a big short, was he sold a load of shitty, crappy mortgage bonds to the Northern mm. Rock and the Alliance and Leicester, two building societies that are no longer with us. Yeah. <laughs> that, well, that's kind of it's, it's a similar <laughs> sort of thing is happening in football at the minute, I think. Sorry, Brooker. Oh, it's going back onto the topic of football. All, the, all this TV <laughs> money, it's money that doesn't yet exist. And I think that this, uh, the bottom's going to fall out of football soon. For a similar reason, it's just toxic debt. Well, I mean, like like ITV Digital did with football when they tried to get all the football league, but on a much bigger scale because it's the Premier League. It's the Premier League, yeah. yeah. It is football. Mm. And then all the players have gone to China like some players are now. Well, there's yeah. used to be stupid amounts of like 300. Over Femi Martins, week. the big one. Mm. Yeah, he's gone there today. Has he? It's big. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, best director then. Oh, my voice is starting to go. Uh, but I'll, I'll get there. <laughs> I'll struggle through. Uh, best Director, Adam McKay for The Big Short, George Miller, Mad Max Fury Road, Alejandro Inaratu for The Revenant, Lenny Abrahamson for the uh, for Room, not The Room, Room, just Room. Uh, the Room yeah, is completely room. different. Uh, and Tom McCarthy for Spotlight. Owen, what do you, what do you want? What do you think? Uh, well, what I want is probably what everyone else wants as well, apart from Paul maybe, is George Miller to win. Yeah, yeah, I'd go along with that. It just wouldn't it just be great to see the man who directed Babe Two, Pig in the City, <laughs> to come back to like action movies and then win an award for it from the Academy that sort of is quite snooty about that sort of thing. Mm. To just come back and just win, it would be amazing. It would be fantastic. Um, but I think it's probably going to be Alejandro Inarritu again. I think he'll pick it up for the Revenant. Um, How did you pronounce his surname? Inarritu. Ooh, I'll get you. Who would you pronounce it? Inarritu. Oh, right. <laughs> no, there's, a, there's an eye towards the end. It's Inarritu. Right. Inarritu. Inarritu. That's how I saw, yeah. Alejandro G. Inarritu. <laughs> wow. Left back at Charlton, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> I think he'll win. I think he'll win. He's got a little bit of momentum. I know that doesn't necessarily always work in the case of the Oscars now nowadays. Um, I think he will. I possibly, maybe the whole backlash of the lack of diversity possibly, maybe might play into that as well for them to say, "Well, we've given it to this." Um, the one with the foreign-sounding name. 
<laughs> yeah, the non-white American yeah. guy, you know. Uh, yeah. But it's, yeah, I mean, you're right. It's not to take it in, anything away from me. I think he did a very good job directing the Revenant. I did like the Revenant, but I think the, that may come into it possibly. Um, I I think the same as you. I think he'll win it, and, and like I said, would want George Miller too. But I think it will be uh, be him. Hmm. Um, Brooker. Yeah, I'm. I'm not going to say the same thing for a third time. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Matt, uh, George Miller should absolutely win, but it will absolutely go to Inaritu for for Revenant. And Paul, <clears throat> um, I want uh, Inaritu to win this. I don't, I didn't really, I wasn't mad on on Mad Max. Um, I have got some odds here if you want them. Who? Okay. Who do you think will win? First of all, I think Inaritu is going to win. I okay. don't think George Miller is going to win. He, he's he's got a chance, but you're one to eight on. Wow. For the Revenant and poor old George Miller out at eleven to two. Um, looking at the experts' predictions, you've got seventy percent have gone for Inaritu and twenty-five percent for George Miller. So he's got a chance, you know. Mm. The thing, looking the... at those, is you you know you look at okay, Revenant was directed really, really, really well. Yep. The, the other three that ain't Mad Max, they're just there's nothing special about the direction in those films. No. I don't think. Oh, I don't know about that. I mean. Spotlight. I don't know. I don't think. I think those two stand head and shoulders. But is there that chance that they're going to give it to the old Duffer just for a laugh? I'd love Possibly. that. Well, maybe it's, in another... You know another what? You could almost see them throwing that curveball. Did the Academy do anything just for a laugh? <laughs> they don't They don't let black people in. That's true. <laughs> for, for a laugh? Well, <laughs> I don't know their reasons. Mm. Okay. Um, best actor is between Brian Cranston for his role as Dalton Trumbo in Trumbo, Matt Damon for his role of Mark Watney in The Martian, Leonardo DiCaprio as Hugh Glass in The Revenant, Michael Fassbender as Steve Jobs in Steve Jobs, and Eddie Redmayne for uh, Lily Elba in The Danish Girl. It better fucking not be Eddie Redmayne for that. fucking not win. He was awful in that film. Wanker. It won't be. <laughs> I, I can safely say, out of those four, he's he's bottom. And I've not seen Trumbo, Steve Jobs, or the Danish Girl. I was listening to a podcast I, I quite like actually called The Punch Up, and it's with um, it. They were talking about the uh, awards earlier. They they were talking about their predictions as well, and a couple of them mentioned that they liked Eddie Redmayne in the Danish Girl. And actually, I think one of the three had seen it, and he said he was quite good. And I think that's the only time I've listened to that podcast and disagreed sort of really heavily with their opinion because I just don't get the hype for him for that film. I can't understand other than the fact that, oh, it's Eddie Redmayne. Remember him from last year? We're giving him an anom- another nomination again. That's the only justification for that because he was awful in that film. Because he's the best powder of the lot of them. So it, it, yeah, it was that. It was just like the the fucking smug smiles towards the camera. Oh, anyway, yeah, better so, not get on a rant about. So, that. Owen, who do you who do you want to win? Who do you think will win? Who do I want to win and who do I think will win are both the same. I think it's DiCaprio for the Revenant as Hugh Glass. I think he'll. Uh, I think he'll win. I. You, you know, there's the whole sort of. Uh, Curse for him, where people where people think every year he's going to win it. Every time he's nominated, this will be the year. I think this is the year that he's going to win. 
I think that um, you, there is an argument to be made about how it's perhaps just another case of an actor, you know, like we, you get, um, who was it last year who, uh, uh, for American Sniper, Bradley Cooper put on a load of weight, a load of muscle for that film. And it's like, oh yeah, he's put on a lot. You had the year before with Christian Bale putting on a load of weight for American Hustle. And oh, he's got, he's been nominated. This year, Leonardo DiCaprio nearly killed himself making this film. He got attacked by a live bear. <laughs> he nearly died from a bear attack. He does do that a lot. Yeah, you know, he um, does regularly put make himself ill for his films. Yeah, but I think this possibly might be the year that finally he gets mm. the the award. I'm, also, I think part of part of that is because his competition is not particularly strong either. No, I mean, I've, as I said, I've only seen two of those films. Um, Trump has Trumbo been released in the UK yet? As of yeah. yet? Yes, yeah. It's not yeah. been released near me, thanks. <laughs> me neither. Um, but anyway, so I've only seen the, the two of the films. Steve Jobs' film and the Danish film just did not interest me in the slightest. Um, and as as much as I liked Matt Damon in The Martian, he has not got a patch on Leonardo DiCaprio and The Revenant, so. I both think and want Leo to win, finally. He doesn't stand a chance, does he, Matt Damon? No. I mean... The Martian, the Martian was good. It was, I, li- I liked The Martian. It was a good film. It was an enjoyable was film. It an but it's not a film, though? I don't think it, it was. No. The only thing that makes it sort of Oscar-worthy, in a sense, in the old boys' club sort of sense, is that it's um, Ridley Scott, and he hasn't won an award yet, and that possibly might have been his last chance to do it. To win the the big one, and yet he isn't nominated as best film or best director. Oh, I mean, best it's for best film, but not best director. Mm. Um, so yeah, but that Damon, I don't get it. I don't understand quite why he's there. But anyway, um, it's a it's a weird option. I mean, okay, we've we've done the whole, you know, the diversity issues with the Academy, but I can name two people instantly that I thought were better than Matt Damon this year with. Uh, Creed and straight out of Compton, you know. Yeah. Well, quite. Yeah. You know, and you know, forget the diversity thing. They're just the better roles. You know, they 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 just done the part better. I, I, it's it's a bizarre entry in that list. Mm. Well, even um, I've heard people complaining that people like Brian Cranston, who, from what I hear, isn't that great in Trumbo, um, and Matt Damon for The Martian, ahead of like Will Smith, who apparently is very good in concussion. He is very and good in ne- concussion. And, you know, it seems like an Oscar Beatty type of film, and yet he's completely yeah, snubbed. Yeah, that, that film had bigger issues than the colour of Will Smith. <laughs> right, OK. <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah, yeah, we'll that's... talk about it later, I guess. Yeah. But, um... so, so, Brooker, what do you think will win, and what do you want to win? Uh, same as everyone else, I think and want DiCaprio to win. It's, it's about time he won... Again, his performance, head and shoulders above everyone, certainly that I've seen. I haven't seen Trumbo. But, you know, his performance, head and shoulders above everybody else. Although, I will say, Steve Jobs, uh, mm-hmm. old Fassbender in it, was great. And the film was a lot better than I thought anybody was expecting it to be. So, you know, when it comes around, it's worth giving it a butchers. I think that is perhaps his only competition in this. But uh, Paul will no doubt tell us. Yes, Redmayne. <laughs> Hmm. Yes, Paul. Okay. Give, a, give us your opinion and that of the bookmakers. Well, I've, I've got a couple of sites. I've got the bookmakers, but I've also got this great site which collates all of the professional film critics' 
predictions. And Fassbender, Damon, Cranston and Redmayne have no votes between them. <laughs> if you bet £100 on Leonardo DiCaprio to win for The Revenant, how much do you think you would win? £100. If you gave the bookie 100 quid, well, you'd win a quid because he's yeah. 100 to 1 on. Which is wow. just ridiculous. Wow. But like you guys, I you know, I, I, I want him to win and I think he will win. You'd be gutted if he'd done something like put two grand on him to win to get two hundred quid and then he didn't. Here's the kicker though, second favourite is Eddie Redmayne. No <laughs> way. Second favourite. Second favourite is Eddie Redmayne. But may, but maybe the bookmakers are thinking, right, we haven't been they haven't been that diverse this year. They've got all this issue, so they give it to the Danish girl, then it's them giving it to a film about a transgender person and there's a bit of diversity for them. So maybe that's what maybe that's the bookmakers thinking there, their rationale. Because yeah, they just the got they just... The, the Academy's decision. I think they're we... pricing it to tease you in to have a have a pump. I think so, yeah. yeah. No it's like when it. they always say that they always put like in their top three favourites for any tournament that England are in for football, that England are one of the favourites. They're not because they're shit at football. But the bookmakers mm. know they'll get loads of money if they say, oh, yeah, England, second favourites, four to one or something. Do you know no what, chance. actually? That's Because I'm looking, I've got the US site, which is the experts um, prediction site, which also has the odds. And funnily enough, on theirs, with, with the, it also has the American bookmakers odds. Eddie Redmayne's a rank outsider. Mm. So it's the UK bookmakers who are trying to tempt you in. Yeah, looks like it. Little teasers. Sneaky bastards. Mm. Ray mm. Winston, go bet in play now. I wouldn't want to have a bang on that. Yeah. <laughs> well. Because that's really a bloke. <laughs> anyway, best actress, uh, Kate Blanchett for Carol, uh, in, in, as Carol Ed in Carol, uh, Brie Larson as uh, Ma in, uh, in Room, um, Jennifer Lawrence as Joy in Joy, Charlotte <laughs> Rampling in, as Kate in 45 Years, and the wonderful... Ms. Ronan as uh, <laughs> Sir Sherman. I found a way around it. She's yeah. now the lovely Ms. Ronan every time I do it. Uh, <laughs> as uh, Iris Lacey in Brooklyn. Yeah. Uh, yes. Um, uh, Brooklyn, we'll start with you this time. What? what who? Uh, who do you want? Who do you think? I want it to be Eddie Redmayne for the Danish girl. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I. Well, I want it to be Brie Larson. I think it has to be Brie Larson. I think she'll probably win it as well. But because the Academy seemed to love her, I wouldn't put it past them giving it to Jennifer Lawrence. Mm. Who are you going to go for then in the sweepstakes? Mm. Who do you think is going to? If you had to put money on it. If I had to put money on it, I'd put it on Brie Larson. Yeah. Yeah. There's I, no, I... The one, the one character. Okay, I've only seen. I haven't seen a couple of those, but of the ones I've seen, she's the only one that actually genuinely made me want to, you know, curl up crying for hours. I, <laughs> I'm the same as Brooke. I both want and think Brie Larson will win it. I, I don't want Jen. I don't think Jennifer Lawrence should be anywhere near this award because Joy was just boring. Was boring shite. Like no I, one I said, wants to I see said, the film of the woman invented the fucking wonder. No, I, I said. I said before. <laughs> When, when we reviewed it as a new release, the point of the film of Joy is to tell an inspiring story about a woman who came from nothing to become, or relative nothing, to become a success. They, could have, they could have done... Well, yeah. They could, <laughs> could have done that, 
with a much more interesting person or told a story in a much more interesting way than a woman that invented a mop. And that Mother is not Teresa. to... And Ellen Mirren. Yeah. yeah. That's, not to, that's not to put down the, the woman behind the story Joy. of Joy. Um, yeah. But wasn't but the, the story wasn't it quite fictionalised as well? It was just loosely based. Oh yeah, on, very. So very so what's the point of making it if you're going to take this woman's story and change it so much? You've admitted that it's a boring story. So just find an interesting one. It is. It is the Don't greatest of true stories this year. The the, uh, the bit at the beginning of the film says inspired by a true story. This one isn't it like inspired by the story, the true story of inspirational women all over the world. Mm. Oh, or, find, or find one of them. You've got the whole. You've admitted yes. you had the whole world to pick from. Pick one of the other ones. Preferably <laughs> one that looks like a bag lady. Yeah. 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 Oh dear. Yeah. We were already onto you the bathtub. You were trying to avoid that one as well. <laughs> Don't get me started on these people. The bag ladies that have forced Twitter. But as, as, preci- as precious as precious as precious as all the people were who were tweeting Stephen Fry to have a kick off about it, he's been just as fucking precious to quit Twitter, and he's done it before. Oh, to be fair, done. I had February in the sweepstake for which month he quit Twitter this year. Oh, he'll be, he'll, be, he'll be back on it, won't he, within a couple of months? Yeah. Old, uh, old Rebel Wilson took some shit as well last night, didn't she? Did she? Yeah. So oh, yeah. What, what was it she said? I'm Something... practicing my trans face. Yeah, that was it. <laughs> God, it's got a fucking to such unit, a... that girl. It's got it's got to a stage where you can't even have a fucking laugh anymore, can you? Cause no, you can't. Well, I can. I do it anyway. I... The... It was a bit racist earlier, and there you go. So I think you got away with it, Steve. I think no one noticed, mate. Nobody right. knows, no. and we won't the mention other it. Guy, for fuck's sake! <laughs> yeah. so they're going. Please don't keep mentioning. It. I keep having to edit it all out. Oh my god! The uh, consistency it... issues in this episode. I think, it, I think it was the other one. The other what? <laughs> <laughs> oh dear! Uh, my favourite actor of all time, Mr. Sidney Poitier. <laughs> So, <laughs> played Marcellus Wallace. Yeah. Anyway, Owen. You know we are like lacking diversity ourselves, right? This is just like five white. Yeah, but if you didn't, men- oh, no, no, whoa, 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 here. Brooke is a ginger. Yeah, <laughs> I'm straight. I'm, 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 I'm diverse I'm, as you need to get. I'm the, I'm, I'm the worst of the minorities. I'm possibly one eighth Jippo. <laughs> <laughs> how, how can and you... you're from the West Country. Oh my god. Yeah. What's and one you live in a trailer? Huh? You live in a trailer, don't you? No. Oh. Oh, and you told me he lived in a trailer. He does? Do you there want you a go, caravan go. park? Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't live there. I used to. <laughs> <laughs> and then he moved. He just attached it to his car one day and drove off. Yeah. It was horse and cart. Have I got a car, a horse, and cut? Come on, get your story straight. <laughs> You're tell me my dad left. It's one of those. It's a fear. It's a fiesta, but it's had the roof taken <laughs> off it, and there's no engine in it. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't know what's going on anymore. Owen, what do you think? What do you think is going to win? What? Who? Who do you think is going to win? Who do you want to win? Who? Me? No, Owen. Oh, Owen. Oh, yeah, uh, Brie Larson for both. Right. Um, she deserves it, I think. I, I did think Carol um, was a, had some really good performances in it, particularly Kate Blanchett. And then that was until I saw Room, and then it was just like, yeah, clearly Brie Larson is the best actress which, of the year. Which was the one that made Callum cry? Carol. All of them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, the Danish girl. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, in the in the sense that it is a quite a classical romance story. So if you if you're invested in that, I mean, it's about two women as opposed to like in old films, it would have been just a bloke and a woman. It, but it's still quite a romantic style drama. It didn't really do anything for me, but I can see why someone would. Not enough lesing. <laughs> yeah, no, I... that was it. There was just not enough lesing for. Yeah. <laughs> you know what you need. Antichrist. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, it was close to being Mo- Morbius, but we've already discussed that on the yeah, podcast. Time, so. Right, well, but this is a similar start. conversation as the last one because Ronan, Blanchett, Rampling, and Lawrence from the experts have got no votes. Mm. And uh, Brie Larson, 25 to 1 on. And I, I, I love the room. I thought she was awesome. I hope she wins. She will win. Yeah, done. Let's move on to the Best Supporting Actor category, which is between Christian Bale uh, for his role in The Big Short, Tom Hardy in The Revenant, Mark Ruffalo for Spotlight, Mark Rylance for Bridge of Spies, and Sly Stallone for uh, Creed. I would like Sylvester Stallone to win. I think it will probably go to Ruffalo. But wouldn't it be great if Sly Stallone could win an Oscar? It would just be great. It would be amazing to watch him pick up the award. It would be a bit sentimental. Um, be a bit mental. <laughs> it would be mental too. Yeah. How's Mark Ruffalo's character not classed as a, as in best actor? Because it was, I know it's more of a quite an ensemble cast, but he was pretty front and center in that film. It's from the way that the votes are tallied. Apparently, uh, they leave it up to the people when they submit the votes to decide who they think is support and who they think is a lead. Okay, and. Yeah, so when the people were submitting the votes on the panel, they all said Ruffalo was support. It wasn't. It wasn't listed for them to pick from a list. Of. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, so you'd probably I, I, say I, the same thing for Christian Bale, couldn't you? Christian Bale in the Big Short is like a pretty prominent guy, isn't it? Hmm. But yes, I'd like Stallone to win. I think Ruffalo will win. Um, Brooker, I think Stallone will win it. I, oh, really? I gen- yeah, I genuinely think he'll take it. I'd, and not to take anything away from Mike Ruffalo, I thought he was great. I just thought Stallone was better. You, uh, you, you forget until you see Stallone in a film like that that you can, he actually can act a bit, can't he? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, he's, not, yeah. He's, not just, he's not just Rambo running through jungle shooting people. And it, was, he became, it became a bit of a movie star for a while. And it was, you know, the, I mean, Paul will know from when we watched um, Electric Boogaloo. The documentary about Canon Films, and uh, in the eighties, he was the guy who you wanted in your films because he was box office, and he, he became the highest paid actor ever for an appearance in one film. Um, at one point, he, he is uh, that movie star. But you're right; people do forget that he's a he can act. He's a, he can act really well. He can. You watch it the... was a good show of his talent as well. I think mm, really. like, mm. everything. You know, he was really, you know, he was powerful. He was emotional. He was, everything about his role, I thought he was awesome. And I think, I think he takes it. Owen. Well, yeah, as you probably guessed, I want Sylvester Stallone to win. I think it might be Mark Rylance. I think he might get it. I know he got it at the Baftas yesterday because he's British, um, and for, for sort of out of nowhere over the past two years. Everyone seems to have fallen in love with Mark Rylance because of Wolf Hall. And because you, it's the bit of like, oh, he's the stage actor who has come to the big screen kind of thing. So therefore he must be better than everybody else. 
I didn't think he was the best actor in the list. I thought Mark Ruffalo was. But regardless, I think he'll win the Oscar. But I really do want Stallone to win. And Paul, what are the bookies saying on this one? Well, I think this, this one is... could be the one of the more, the more tightly contested ones. This is really, really complicated. Um, <laughs> okay, so Mark Ruffalo, if you go to Corals, they will give you eighty to one on him winning. He is the well, rank outsider in the UK. With the American bookmakers, he's as short as nine to one. So there's some massive value there. If you he's actually. Prob- fact- He's I would a... actually go and have a fiver on that, you know. For Mark Ruffalo, yeah, eighty to one. He's probably the he's probably the 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 least well known out of those in in the UK. Yeah, uh, with possibly Mark Rylance. Mark Rylance is British, so he's but you know Mark Ruffalo. You said to the general, um, you know, public in in the UK, who's Mark Ruffalo? Uh, and you have to remind. Oh, he, he played Hulk in the Avengers. Oh yeah, I know. <laughs> Mark Rylance, they probably might not know because he's not really been that big. You say to the general public, "Who's Christian Bale? Who's Tom Hardy? Who's Sylvester Stallone?" Straight away, they'll bang out three films that they've done. Go, oh yeah, he's in this, this, and this. And that's probably why the UK bookmakers Ruffalo is probably a rank outsider because, like we mentioned earlier, bookmakers are trying to get you to spend money as well as trying to give you what is genuinely going to be the favourite. Yeah, I mean the the Baftas have had quite a big influence on on the bookies. So Mark Rylance has come right in now to two to one. Second favourite mm. behind massive odds on favourite, Mr. Sylvester Stallone. He's the favourite. Yeah. Oh, excellent. Yes. <laughs> and it, I, I I loved Creed. It, I thought he was awesome in it. He so deserves this. I think he's gonna still win it. That's that's my pick and that's who I want to win. Wow. So both you and Brooke are going for want and will yep. win for Stallone. Oh, I would love it. If it happened, I'd be it, so. Happy. It would be nice if it just if it just came full circle for him from being nominated for the first one, yeah, to winning for this one. But let's all run out and have a fiver on Mark Ruffalo at eighty-two. Yeah, I'm, I'm considering <laughs> it. That's that's <laughs> worth a punt, isn't it? Mm. It's very tempting. Um, best supporting actress: Jennifer Jason Leigh for her role in The Hateful Eight, Rooney Mara uh, for her role in Carol, Rachel McAdams for her role in Spotlight, Alicia Vikander. With Danish girl and Kate Winslet for Steve Jobs. Um, Owen? Well, I think Kate Winslet will win it. She's possibly the biggest name on the list. She already, was it the Golden Globe she picked up a while back? I want Rachel McAdams to win it for Spotlight um, because the more I've thought about her role in that film, the more I appreciated that actually she was she was really good. The scene with her and her grandma at the table as a grandma reads the newspaper is one of the most like powerful bits in Spotlight, one of the most emotional moments in that movie. And I think she's a bit underrated, and particularly because everyone else talks about, including myself, who have talked a lot about Ruffalo and Michael Keaton and how great they are. But yeah, Rachel McAdams was, was terrific in that. However, yeah, I, I do think probably Kate Winslet will win it. Do you disagree, Steve? I, th- I was just thinking, I had, looking at this, I've, out of all those films, I've only seen The Hate for Late, which I really didn't get on with, and Spotlight, so I'm going to have to go for, for Rachel McAdams for both Want and Think Will Win, because I can't really, uh, can't really base it on anything else, and I've not really heard massive hype about any of the others and anything. Mm. Um, so, yeah, that, that's that's me. Um, Brooker? Uh I think, I think I want Kate Winslet to win it. Oh really? Yeah, I thought yeah. she was great in uh, 
in Steve Jobs. She, she, uh, up, you know, opposite Fassbender, she actually was really, really good. I, I love Alicia Vikander, but I don't want the Danish girl to win fucking anything. <laughs> yeah, uh, hmm. Rachel McAdams was great, and will probably take it. And I don't know, man. I think as much as I hated the film, I quite liked Jennifer Jason Lee in the Hateful mm-hmm. Eight. I thought she was really good. So she, she was, yeah. She is probably a possibility to take it. I would really like it to be Windsor, though. But you're putting your money on Vikander. Uh, I'm, I'm putting my money. No, I'm putting my money on Rachel McAdams. I think. Oh, and McAdams. Yeah. yeah. I don't. I love uh, Vikander. I think she's awesome. But she, even she, doesn't deserve to win because she was in the Danish Girl. Dude, I was talking to my wife the other day about. Um, we went to cinema to see Deadpool, and the trailer for Triple Nine came up again. Yeah. And um, I said to her that you know I hated Triple Nine. It was a pile of fucking dirge. But the the performance of Kate Winslet, it makes you forget that she's Kate Winslet in that. I, I think she does a good job of of doing very similar in Steve Jobs. Yeah, uh, well, you don't see her as just Kate Winslet. No, you, you. I can't remember the name of the character she plays. Joanna Hoffman. Yeah, that's the one. Uh, she she does a really good job of making you think she's her, mm. and she does a really good job of projecting that that relationship between them two. You know, she was really really good. I, you know, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't pass her up for for the win for this one. But no, I do think it will go to McAdams. And I kind of want to watch Triple Nine, even though you said it was shit. Yeah, <laughs> with the with the opposite way around then yeah. on uh, those two. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be at all sad if wins that won it. She'd definitely deserve it. But I think, I think the spotlight will probably take a couple of them. I think Best Supporting Actress will be one of them. Okay, and um, Paul. Well. There's a lot of love for uh, Rachel McAdams from the Fellow Critics, which shows how, I don't know, we are so far away from what the experts and the bookies want that, again, this is one I'm thinking I'm going to have a sneaky fiver on her because she's the 100 to 1 outsider. Ouch. And I, I thought wow. she was brilliant. I love Spotlight. I thought her performance mm-hmm. was fantastic. Um, and I, I would love her to win. I would absolutely love it. The, the bookies... Some money has come in today, a, a big move towards Kate Winslet, who's come into 11-4. to 4, But the odds-on favourite is Alicia Vikander for the Danish girl. She's the favourite? Odds-on favourite. Wow. Just no. <laughs> Just how? <laughs> Why? <laughs> I, do, do, do you know what? Let's have a look. I've got uh, The experts have gone for no votes for McAdams, no votes for Jennifer Jason Lee, one for Winslet, one for Mara, all the rest have gone for Alicia Vikander as well. And Rachel McAdams is a rank outside of with the American bookies too, 80 to 1. God. So that's who you think is going to win as well? I I, th- I think Alicia Vikander will win it, yeah. Based on mm. those, it's crazy. But I would love Rachel McAdams to win it. Love it. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> no, that's okay. Bearer of bad news. That's okay. Yeah. Uh, best original screen for a screenplay. Uh, Bridge of Spies, Ex Machina, uh, Inside Out, Spotlight, and Straight Outta Compton are the nominees for that one. Brooker? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I, I'll admit, you know, I love almost everything on that list. I, you know, I'd love Ex Machina to win. I'd love Straight Outta Compton to win. I think Inside Out takes it. Okay. I would say, I would gladly take Ex Machina and that will probably be my number two choice I just I, I really think Inside Out might have it I I 
want and think Ex Machina will win it. Yeah, I think you're really hoping for that one. I mean, uh, when it's up against Bridge of Spies, which is Cohen Brothers written film, you know, there's been a bit of a, a bit of a debate about how much of it was written by the Cohen Brothers. I think when you watch it, it certainly feels like something they've had a lot of input in. Um, and I think that will probably win. I think that will win. Um, I would like Spotlight to win it. I think it was, again, just... I'm not going to go over our ground. It's a very good film. Um, but I, I just think Bridge of Spies has a little bit of... What's the word? A bit of prestige with the Coen brothers that the others on that list are lacking somewhat. Would that be reflected in the what the bookies think, Paul? Or is that just me? That's, that would just be you. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, the American bookies have Bridge of Spies as the rank outsider at 66 to 1. Right, complete opposite. Complete okay, opposite of what you thought, yeah. yeah. Um, I think, well, I want Spotlight to win, and the bookies think it will win, because I, this is one of the Oscars you can give out where you've got a really powerful issue film. You can kind of almost guarantee that it'll, it'll pick this up, and I think that's going to be the case here. It's, it's 1 to 10 on. So that means, Owen, if you bet £10, you'll win £1. Um, oh. But second favourite, bizarrely, Inside Out. And as we all know, animation is for babies. Yes, it is. <laughs> but it's fucking amazing. <laughs> I've seen that film twice, and I, it improved a lot the second time around, Inside Out. I liked it in the cinema the first time. The second time I saw it in the local film club thing, it was, it was, it was much improved. I think it's a lot more... There's a lot more to it than perhaps is evident when you're watching it as just a kid's film. I think it's it's a really... Uh, it depends on how you look at it. I mean, because as someone that's suffered from anxiety and depression, I can see everything in that film mm-hmm. very, very personally. It, it it kind of affected me a lot when I was watching it. And, it's, it, you know, it's a really emotional film. I mm-hmm. I absolutely adore it. And, you know, kids' film or not, I it's one of the best films to come out last year, and I would love to see it win. Yeah. It's I mean, you can, sum up, you can sum up the whole of Inside Out in, like, five words, can't you? What if feelings are okay. feelings? It, well, it's okay to be sad. That's it, really. Yeah. That's the whole thing about Inside Out. But I, when you watch it, it's so much more sophisticated than just that. It's a very clever screen, screenplay from something that seems like it shouldn't be subtle when you've got characters named Joy, Sadness, Anger, and stuff, you know. But the amazing thing about it is it does all the like the grown-up stuff really, really well, but it's still mm. a really, really bright, colourful film. Like I can sit here with Little and, and watch it and she sits and enjoys all the, the silly fucking colours. And I can sit there bawling my eyes out because I can see everything that's going on. It's yeah. an amazing little film that you can sit and watch with your kid. Uh, your, I, um, your, how old's your daughter now? Two. Two. Two and a half. See, mine's now 11 going on 18. And I don't have to watch any more <laughs> fucking cartoons. Yes! <laughs> but that yeah, can't you be surely. Like, I, mean, uh... I, I, I work in education. I see little shit fucking cunt kids every fucking day and can't you just see disgust in every teenage kid you walk past in the fucking street <laughs> i think i think got, well, mine are 11 and 15 they, 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 they got they way past cartoons now I, they just want I, think, my mon- I think i think paul though with the 11 year old you're worse off watching all the shit between <clears throat> programs than you are watching cartoons ah like, she watches think- those in her own room 
Uh-huh. Okay. Ah, okay. There you go, then. You've won. I win. Yeah. <laughs> you've won. But just... You've won parenting. Well, I'm currently... I'm keeping a list of all the films I watch, and I'm having to keep a tally of all the fucking cartoons I see. <laughs> because I, the only way I'm going to be able to tally up one a day between now and the end of the year is by tallying up the 94 times I have to watch Big Hero 6. Still not seen it. It's a great film. No, it's, not. <laughs> it's still on at City World in Eastbourne. I could always <laughs> Well, you know, you can't get into Deadpool. Go watch fucking Big Hero 6. Maybe they're waiting for you to go watch it before they take it out. It's like, like yeah, it's like the curse of Tutankhamun or something. Unless <laughs> yeah. it will be forever on. Well, we'll go on to uh, best adapted screenplay, which is between The Big Short, uh, Brooklyn, Carol, The Martian, and Room. Um, I would like uh, Room to win, and I think it might well do as well. And. It- yeah, it's um, it's a it's a very what's the word affecting film. It's got yeah. a very good, well written script, for sure. Um, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I mean, me. That's me agreeing that I think it's the best one. <laughs> <laughs> Is it what you think will win as well, though? Uh, I think possibly The Martian might win it for the reasons I mentioned a bit earlier with the sentimentality and it's. It's um, a Ridley Scott film, and again, similar to the prestige aspect of Bridge of Spies, um, I think the Martian will do. And it's because it's, it also, was it, um, what did it win at the Golden Globes? It, I know it won Best Comedy Film, with they actually being a comedy. <laughs> but I, th- I think the uh, the screenplay will probably pick up a couple of awards, uh, unless they decide to give it to something like Brooklyn. Because it's a kind of traditional Oscar movie. Okay. Um, Brooker? Uh, I'll go against the grain a little bit. I, I really want The Big Short to win. Uh, it's done by an author I really, really like. So he done Moneyball and The Blind Side as well, which are two amazing mm-hmm. films. Oh, I, yeah. I want him to, to get as many awards as possible. But nah, it'll probably go to Room. Deservedly so. I think it will go to room. And Paul? Owen, oh, you have a real knack of picking absolute fucking donkeys because the Martian is like 50 to 1 outsider. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, it's worth a fiver though, isn't it? No, Probably not. not really. <laughs> uh, I could tell you, Brooklyn, the Martian, Carol and the Room from the experts have picked up no votes between them. Um, and the, the film I want to win and the film that I think will win is The Big Short, uh, at 1 to 10 on. Wow. It's, it's again, you've, it's much like Spotlight. You've got, you've got a kind of issuey film. They can hand out, you know, if you've got a, a, a kind of a big Oscar film that has an issue around it, they're going to get something. So You can recognise it without really recognising it. Exactly. So Spotlight, Big Short, both covered issues you know very different issues but i think they'll both pick up that their awards for in that category if nothing else politics mm. okay um we're now on to best animated feature film i think we know what brooke is going to pick already um, but it's <laughs> between uh animal lisa uh boy in the world inside out sean the sheep movie and when marnie was there um so other than paul who doesn't like fucking cartoons 
Uh, <laughs> is anyone else going anything different other than inside out for both want and think? I, I wouldn't say no to Shaun the Sheep. I quite like Shaun the Sheep movie. <laughs> Shall I just put you all out your misery, right? Go inside on, inside out. Inside out. 200 to 1 on. Fuck so you wow. Have to, you have to bet £200 to win one. And um, I I actually want Anomalizer to win. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, I loved it. I thought it was so much fun. I really, really enjoyed it. But animations for babies. That, yeah, but that's, <laughs> it's not quite like baby animation. It's like, it, it, does, it looks really odd. I don't know how you describe it, actually, because it's not like cartoon. It's not claymation. It's it's really weird. Have you have any of you seen it? No. Unfortunately, no. Okay, no. then I, I you will love it. It's so much fun, and it's for adults. You've got, <laughs> so, the, got like the cartoon puppets fucking and stuff. It's yeah, it's good. But Go cartoons are for babies. <laughs> not this one. But it's, not, so, I don't, it's a really. I don't know how you describe what style it is. I'm, I'm sure Wikipedia will be able to tell us, but it's it ain't kind of standard animation, and it's not the 3D animation. So it just looks different to anything else. So you what, what, you what is it actually about? Because this is the Charlie Kauf, uh, Kaufman one, yeah, right? Yeah, it's about a guy who go who is presenting at a conference, and he's married, and he's speaking to his wife on the phone, and he goes down to the bar, and he picks up a couple of birds, and um, gets one back to his room. Yeah, it's kind of like a midlife crisis film. Right. So okay. that's that's what you want to win. What do you think will win? Inside Out. It's two hundred to one on fella. There we go. Uh, now Do you actually it... like Charlie Kaufman? Just to put that out there, because uh, some of his films have been. Yeah. A bit... Do you know what? I'm not. I'm not massive, but I did enjoy Anomalizer. Yeah. Okay. Um, on to my ballpark now. Best foreign language film. <laughs> uh, that is um, between Embrace of the Serpent from Colombia, Mustang from France, uh, although it's in Turkish. Um, Son of Saul, which is from Hungary, Thebe, which is from Jordan, and A War, which is from Denmark. Um, Owen? Okay, well, I um, think Son of Saul will win because I've, of the three, uh, of the three, of the five, that's the one I've heard the most about, basically. I haven't seen any of them, unfortunately. Um, I felt like I'd watched quite a lot of uh, foreign language films last year. But apparently none that were Oscar worthy, so it seems. But um, Thebe is the one that I want to win of the five, purely because we had Liam on our World Cinema podcast a few weeks ago, and he watched it and liked it. So it simply for the fact that it has already been discussed on the podcast by someone else, Thebe is the one I want to win. Uh, I I can't comment on what I want to win because I haven't seen any of them like yourself. But I think Son of Saul will win for the same reason as you. I've heard about it. Yeah, it's just been everywhere. Yeah, um, Brooker? Well, we really suck, don't we? Because I'm going to say the exact same thing. <laughs> I've well, not I mean, seen any of them. I've heard a lot about Son of Saul, and I think Son of Saul will win it. As much as cartoons uh, for babies, foreign films, what's the point of them? I, no, I love, a, <laughs> I love a good foreign film. I just, I didn't have any, you know, I didn't come across any last year. I didn't, none came across my path. None appeared in my local cine world. Hmm. Uh, you know, not I didn't download any. Just it just didn't happen last year. I didn't. No, see I it. don't. I don't. I don't get foreign. I live in a part of the world where there is, you know, 
no kind of art cinemas or types of cinemas that will show foreign films. So unless it's like a massive, massive foreign film, it mm. ain't getting shown near me. Um, and I'm, then, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty much the same. I had to travel to London to see Yakuza Apocalypse. Mm. Well, I was going to ask you, Paul, uh, Brooker, sorry, about um, The Assassin, because I was certain that would get a nomination. I haven't did, gotten around to watching did it. Did you yet. not watch it in the end? You avoided it. Uh, well, I, I couldn't. It didn't show anywhere near me, and the copy I got, the subtitles didn't work. Ah. So right. I then I grabbed another copy, and by that point, I was like, I can't be fucking bothered. I'll I'll watch it at some point because it comes out this year, and I'll just be able to say it's another foreign language one for the Foul Critics Awards. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. I, I never. I just haven't gotten around to watching it yet. And uh, Paul. Um, do you know what? I really tried on this category because yesterday I settled down to watch A War and Thebe. And I watched half of A War and didn't watch Thebe. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I felt really bad. <laughs> but um, yeah, well, those are the two outsiders anyway. But uh, yeah, Son of Saul, I think, will win. And I haven't seen it, but you know. I feel bad because A War was really good, but I, it was Sunday afternoon and I. I'm at that age now where I like to have a little nap. Mm. <laughs> and I'm asleep. Fair enough. <laughs> but think uh, I like I do like a nice kind of got rompy adventure and that, that that's got that that feel for it to it even though it's kind of arabic. I think that's what um uh Liam said because it's it's set just after the second world war is yeah, that right? Yeah, it's a period piece where these guys go, go go on this kind of trek across the desert and he's got this kid with him and kind of all the encounters they have on the way. It, yeah, it looked really good fun. But I just didn't get around to watching it. Did any of you guys watch Hard to Be a God? The Russian no. science fiction film? No. That was picking up a lot of praise. I watched that partly because I thought it would get in at the Oscars as well, which is about some scientists who go to a distant planet, which is like Earth, but is set in the Middle Ages. They didn't have a renaissance period. They killed all those people they thought were clever. So they're just permanently stuck in the Middle Ages. I thought it sounded quite interesting. That's like it Army is... of Darkness. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> but nowhere near as fun as Army of Darkness. That was three hours I'll never get back. Oof. Mm. Oh, three-hour Russian film. Yeah, in black yeah. and white. Oh, no, you're, you're on your own with that one, I think. Yeah. Okay, and finally, then, is uh, Best Documentary, uh, which is between Amy, Cartelland, and Look of Silence. What Happened, Miss Simone, and Winter on Fire, Ukraine's Fight for Freedom. Um, Brooker? Uh, Amy, because it's the only one I've seen. <laughs> and Amy, because it's the only one I've seen. I've seen Amy and Cartelland, <clears throat> and I'd probably prefer and think cartel land i do um, want to see cartel land it's it's one of those subjects that really interests me but again you know and how many times have i been on the, been on the podcast with you guys and talked about documentaries yeah and yeah. I, I don't watch documentaries i rarely watch documentaries mm. uh but i'd love to watch cartel land at some point it is um it is great it is a really really good interesting educational and entertaining documentary and you must have seen it paul because it was on uh Storyville. Loved it. Yeah. It's, great, it's my, it? it's my, I really, really want Cartel Land to win. Mm. Really. Same. Unfortunately, those bastard BAFTAs have, have kind of pointed elsewhere. Yeah. And, uh, 
the uh, the the the, the crack hall that was Amy is almost <laughs> certain going to win. I took so much shit when I said that. Oh, did you? <laughs> Yeah, I don't I, get it. Everyone loves her, but she was a crackle. Who the fuck? Yeah, but there's, fuck? there's some people. There's some people who can get away with doing wrong, like celebrities, right. and still be so. Right, you got Amy Winehouse. People still love her. She was an absolute mess of a human being. Yeah. George George Best. Everyone seemed to love him, and he managed to get a kidney when he was on the piss, and then went and ruined that one as well. Yeah. Uh, two, two livers, I think it was. Yeah, or two livers, whatever. He, he got yeah. loads of transplants and then like went and fucked it up, and then people still love him. No one ever mentions that. And and Jade Goody, everyone ate I her. I knew that was and, coming. Yeah, <laughs> and, that, and everyone loves her now. Um, you know, Not me, was, mate. Not well, me, not me either. You know, but you know the general, the general idiotic public seemed to love her, and she was just a nasty little racist who was thick as shit. Yeah. yeah. You say yeah. what you like about dead people; you can't libel them or slander them. So, no. you know, whatever. But, <laughs> but there's, uh, there are certain celebrities who seem to be able to get away with with whatever. Not literally murder, but you know, metaphorically, there's certain celebrities who seem to be able to get away with murder and still be seen as, uh, you know. Good in the public eye, and Amy Winehouse was one of them. But everyone hates Pete Docky. He's a massive fucking bell end. Exactly. For case and uh, case and point. Demonstrating case yeah. And point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, time for us now to review some of the new releases this week for those of you who haven't turned off after that extensive Oscar preview um, we're going to start off with uh, a review of the Will Smith film Concussion that wasn't nominated for any Oscars at all no no it wasn't uh, for I think more reasons than the fact that it started Black Dude as well it, uh, it's so Concussion is the story of a guy a doctor called Bennett Amalu who discovered after uh, a, a famous, a Hall of Fame football player uh, went absolutely crazy and ended up killing himself by self-mutilating. Gave himself a heart attack. Because why wouldn't you? Hmm. But he spent some time, uh, he was he was a, a pathologist, so he spent some time doing the autopsy and tried to figure out why he died, not just how. And after, you know, he'd, he'd done some research and he discovered, uh, well, he, he essentially discovered a new disease, a CTE, so chronic traumatic encephalopathy. That is an awful word. It's a bit of a mouthful. Say so, so that again, Brooker. Chronic traumatic encephalopathy. Nice. Have that. <laughs> I deserve applause for that fucker as well. <laughs> anyway, so it, it, it's basically, as the name of the film kind of gives you the impression it's it's caused by constant chronic concussions uh and it, essentially it drives you mad and the uh it's the story of how this doctor kind of went up against the nfl uh and tried to protect players and the nfl spent maybe 15 years just ignoring it uh and kind of brushing it under the carpet and it's a story of how he wouldn't he wouldn't give up uh, and got more players, you know, because you can't. It was one of those. It's one of those diseases you can't tell someone's got it until you slice their brain open. So he literally had to wait for four or five more players to die, so he could do the tests and prove categorically that it was a thing. 
uh, and the, the, the basic premise is, you know, the NFL, as most people possibly know, I suppose, they literally, they say it in the film, that the NFL owns a day of the week. You know, Sundays in the States, you know, between September and February, they're for football. You know, nothing else happens on Sundays except for football. So a company that big uh, put profit first and player safety second. And this doctor just wouldn't have any of it. And it's a really well-acted, well-directed film. And as much as I do think uh, Will Smith should have been nominated for an Oscar for it, I guarantee you he wasn't because he's pissed off the NFL. Uh, The entire film, there's no way the NFL were happy with it. There's, you know, they didn't make any bones about the fact that one of the world's biggest companies uh, put profit over the health of their their employees, essentially. And yeah, that they, they uh, the filmmakers, the actors, everything they they annoyed the NFL a lot with this film, which is why he he didn't get nominated. And the film didn't get nominated anywhere, like zero nominations, as far as I remember. So, so you think a Golden Globe nomination for something? Mm. So you okay. think you think that Will Smith was worthy of a Best Actor nomination? I do. Um, but do you think the film was worthy of a Best Picture nomination? Mm, no. <clears throat> no. At the end of the day, uh, don't and don't make don't let it sound like I'm being negative about the film. I thought it was fucking great, but it was a sports film. Uh, you know, it was pretty by the numbers. It was you know bad stuff you're rooting for good stuff, good stuff finally happens. It's, mm. you know, it, it's a, if, you're, if you follow the NFL and have done for maybe as long as I have, you know it's been an ongoing story. But I think you probably have to have a bit of interest in the sport for it to be worth watching like that. I think, like I say, Will Smith was great, the film was excellent, but it was sport film by numbers. It was interesting because it done, uh, back in the day, any given Sunday kind of poked at this at this same problem with one of its characters during the film. Mm. Uh, and that was 99. So that was about the time that, that this was starting to be a thing. Uh, and I honestly, I didn't put the two and two together to make it until I watched Concussion and, and done a little bit of reading on it. But yeah, it's... Didn't one of the... Didn't a very famous American footballer only recently drink a whole bottle of antifreeze or something? Yes. Uh, and then I, they... Don't ask me his name. I don't remember his name. Uh, yeah. And then also, that... I believe a Kansas City chief uh, rolled up into the, the stadium car park. And this was just... This was last year, pre-season, I think. Mm. Rolled into the Kansas City uh, stadium car park and blew his brains out. Mm. And no one knows why, as far as I remember. Uh, but the, there are stories. There are more stories coming out about it now. The NFL tried to cover a lot of it up, but mm. you know, nowadays you can't. You can't cover shit like that up. It's you know the age of Twitter and instant news. You can't hide stuff like that anymore. It's a very yeah. worthwhile film. If you, I mean, it the release over here sucked. Considering every set of adverts on Sky Sports during the Super Bowl had an advert for concussion. You know, my local Sydney world had two showings for it, both very late at night. You know, no other cinema anywhere near me. I think the nearest cinema that's got a decent showing on is in Hemel Hempstead. You know. Wow. Okay. I'm that's not driving. I'm not driving to fucking Hemel. No. 
you know, I'll I managed to get to Sydney World to see it, which was fine, but at silly o'clock at night, it was absolutely ridiculous. So obviously, you know, when it comes to VOD or your preferred way of watching films, definitely worth a butcher's. Okay, um, Paul, you've seen a film called Nina Forever. I have, yeah. It's um, a debut feature from um, two guys, Ben and Chris Blaine, who I assume are, are, are brothers. And uh, are we still calling them Zomcoms? I'm, I'm not Rom-zom-com. sure. Romzomcom. Romzomcom. That's what they, like, Shaun of the Dead was. Okay. okay. Um, Steve, you, you live in the West Country. Right. Ah. right. Ah. If you have a three-way... Right, and one of the participants isn't alive. Does it still count as a three-way? Uh, this question could apply to everyone, really. Well, I'm pretty sure it applies um, to the West Country more than the rest of us. I'd say no. Really? It doesn't count. No. What, what a, so even if she was moving around a bit but still dead, doesn't count. I think if she's dead, it becomes a sex toy. But still, kind of animated. No, I don't think it's a threesome. Okay, I'm just checking. At best, it's a store-bought, pulsating pussy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think that kind of sets the tone for the film, which you might think... Are you talking talking morally or, or, (laughs) you know... Physically. God's watching, is it a threesome? Yeah. And basically, basically, <laughs> can Steve add another notch to the bedpost? I don't, I don't think I could. No. <laughs> it, yeah, this is um, a really... It's a really hard film to describe. It's one for the dubious goals panel, I think. Really. <laughs> it is. It's There's a really small cast. You've you, you've got Nina, and uh, who dies in a car crash and her boyfriend Rob is so distraught that he himself then attempts suicide um, which he fails miserably at and he hooks up um, with a girl from work and they start a relationship um, and things are all going swimmingly until they have sex now which kind of caught my eye on this film was it's an 18 certificate. And do you know what? We don't get many 18 certificates in the UK now. Pretty much everything is cut to get that 15, to get the bums on seat. So I was kind of intrigued. I mean, you know, horror comedies, they don't tend to be 18. Uh, And the reason why is because there's loads and loads of fucking in it. And it's, it's not campy. You think a film like this, you know, romantic comedy with a zombie bird. It, it, it's going to be really campy, but it's not. It's played really straight. And how it kind of pans out is the first time these two are in bed, as soon as they start fucking, the sheets start filling with blood and Nina rises through the sheets almost and then turns to them and starts teasing them. And she's really sarky. She's kind of... It's, <laughs> You'd think that the two, the couple would start freaking out at this point. But in the film, they don't. They just accept it and try and work their relationship around. Every time they fuck, Nina's going to pop up, all mangled, her legs hanging off, there's blood everywhere. And so they try to include her in her in their lovemaking. Uh, you know, at one point, she's, you know, I think the girl's diddling her pooter and she's like, 
uh, there's no point in doing that. I'm dead down there. And she starts kissing her and she's wanking off the boy. It's, it's very complicated with having a dead person in, in the bed, which you think at this point, I'm thinking, where's this going to go? But what it actually deals with is, is, is kind of dealing with loss and grief and, you know, how you come to terms to these things. And it does it in a really clever way, really funny, very, very dark. I mean, really dark. And as a debut, I thought it was amazing. I absolutely had so much fun with it. And I, I can't recommend it enough. They are on tour. They're, they're taking the film, even though it came out on VOD today in the UK, they're taking it around select cinemas, doing a Q&A. And each performance, they're selling the Blu-ray with a different fan art. So whichever city you go to, oh. you can buy Blu-ray with a different cover, which a fan has created, and they look really, really good. I think this I think look at the IMDb profile. It's got Fiona O'Shaughnessy in it, who is uh, Jessica Hyde in Utopia. That was a great TV show, and she was brilliant, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, the cast haven't done a lot, though. Hmm. Um, you've got Ab- uh, Abigail Hardingham, Fiona O'Shaughnessy and Sh- uh, Sean Barry. It's all kind of, you know, silent witness and that kind of stuff. And <laughs> yeah. which, which, I, which I guess is the new Bill and the Hollyoaks. Wow. But yeah, no, it's really good. Really good. Really worth seeing. Really worth checking out. And it's, you know, a few quid on VOD. So there's no excuse not to see it. Okay. Oh, and you're on the uh, IMDb page for it. Fine, yeah. I think it's worth watching, right, just for the trivia. For the trivia? The one trivia item. The fake blood used used got so sticky the sheets would stick to the actors while filming. They solved the problem by adding lube to the fake blood. Problem solved. Yep, yeah. I kind of want yeah. to watch it just for that. Works with real blood. I mean, I don't know, I'm possibly... You can relate that, Steve. Works with I've, real lube. I've taken notes. <laughs> <laughs> Non-stick blood ad lube. Okay. <laughs> right, on to Deadpool then. Uh, the one that we've all been looking forward to, mm. except even Paul, who hadn't been able to see it. Were you actually looking forward to it, Paul? I was, I really was. As I said, I, my lad went over to the local Cine World on Saturday with his brand Spankers Unlimited Pass. Couldn't get in because it was fully booked. I went to book and the only seat available was in the front row on valentine's night last showing at nine o'clock i just couldn't bring myself because i knew they'd be full of hideous fucking chattering trolls asking their boyfriends who's he what's going on what's that about what's going on i don't understand and then getting bored and playing candy crush (laughs) hey i I have a long experience of going to the cine world in eastbourne a fucking hideous place Anyway, on to the film <laughs> itself, uh, which is an, yet another uh, superhero film uh, uh, based on the Marvel Comics character Deadpool Wade Wilson, played by Ryan Reynolds. Not for the first time, though, film fans. Yeah, this is technically within Fox's X-Men franchise. Technically, it oh. sits within the same thing. It's based... I mean, it's... Um, there's a lot of fourth wall breaking in it, yeah. as you expect with Deadpool, because that's the whole shtick of his character but, in the but comic books. Ryan, Ryan Reynolds played Deadpool in the first standalone Wolverine but, film. Exactly, yeah. Right. Which is, depending on whose opinion you, you read, not canon. 
There's a lot of debate about whether Wolverine Origins actually. Well, but now there's the same. now there's two timelines anyway, isn't there? Or but yeah, exactly, so... and and that is also brought up in Deadpool yes. itself, the film. <laughs> Well, James McAvoy or Patrick Stewart, these timelines are so confusing. Yeah. You know, there's lots of references to what's happened in the previous films and the fact you've got First Class and you've got X-Men and The Last Stand and all that kind of thing. And where does Deadpool fit in? I think the answer, quite frankly, is... Nowhere. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Simply no, doesn't matter. I don't, I don't think it matters and it possibly won't. it possibly won't matter until... They try and include Deadpool in one of the X-Men films, even if they do. And even then, it might not even matter. I don't even know if that would work the way that... You certainly wouldn't be able to do it in the same way. Um, yeah. But, but the, the, the weird thing is there are lots of references to, like, Hugh Jackman. Yeah. Uh, instead of... Wolverine. Wolverine. Yeah. Mm. Um, but, so, yeah, it, yeah, and it... Um, I love the opening... The opening, the opening credits, so good with, with the with the Green Lantern DVD and everything. <laughs> yeah, and there, there were even like um, it, even the actual opening credits of the car as the cameras going through the car wreckage, mm. and it's just like the the credits come up as uh, what was it stuff like starring token CGI character, yeah, and moody teenager. And all that kind of thing. It's just very um, self-referential. There's a lot of... Perhaps... Okay. Just to go back to a point that I think the film is subversive. I think it's meant to be subversive. It is at its heart, at the most basic form of storytelling, an, an origin story. And people, for reasons that they can purpose, you know, for themselves, it's fine hate origin films these days. Um, it is it is just an origin movie. And so for people who are sick and tired of that kind of superhero film, I can see why some people have disliked it. I've even seen comments saying that it's not subversive, it's just crude. And I think that if you think that it's not subversive, you are missing the point in the fact that it does a lot of things that are... So, uh, well, like the origin side of it, you know, how it goes back to how he was formed and how he got his superpowers. Well, it's, and how it's, not, it's not film... this evil British guy. And it's not stuff. filmed in a linear fashion, is it? It's, it's, if that yeah, exactly. Sense. The story is told with lots of um, flashbacks, lots of stories about things that have happened in the past, as well as the flashes to him in the present and stuff. Um, and narration is used. I didn't mind the narration for a change. Right. Actually, thought it was quite funny. Um, that's what I mean, though. It's it's very subversive of the genre as a whole. So by including lots of typical cliches, it is saying, "Look at this silly cliche, isn't it silly?" And this is Deadpool making light of it. So I think it. I I stand by the assertion that it's a it's a a subversive genre movie. Um. But Brooker, I know you reviewed it on the website, and you—how many times have you seen it now? Three, three times. So three. you must like it. I love it. Uh, yeah. I saw it on—I saw it on release day. I—I uh, I tried desperately to get to the midnight showing, but I was busy on the Tuesday night, so I couldn't get back to Milton Keynes in time. Uh, so first showing on the Wednesday, and then back to my local Odeon for the IMAX. Uh, this is how much I liked it. I paid twenty-three pounds to watch it in IMAX at my local Odeon. 
Wow. When I have a Cineworld card. That's <laughs> incredible. It, it would have been, it would have cost the same for me to drive to Birmingham to use the IMAX that Cineworld have up there. That's how much it costs to get into fucking Odeon. And then I took the wife again. Uh, well, then I took the wife to see my third go in on Saturday. And yet, every time, every single time I've pissed myself laughing, you know, I walked out uh, of the cinema on Saturday trying to figure out if I could squeeze in a fourth one before I came onto the podcast <laughs> today. And I will squeeze in a fourth one and, and equal my Mad Max record uh, before it leaves the cinema. Uh, Does it have any diminishing returns on each viewing? No. Is there anything that seems less each time? Or... No, I don't. You've got to remember, I'm a child. <laughs> I, you know, I'm a big kid. I'm, I, you know, I, I, I think dick and fart jokes are the greatest things in the world. Hmm. You know, I, but there's nothing too clever about the film either. Once you've spotted most of the Easter eggs, there's, you know, you'll spot them on your first or second time. Third time around, I just sat with my feet up and enjoyed the movie. There, there wasn't anything extra to see. I mean, are the Easter eggs mainly for for comic book fans? Uh, there were lots of references to. There were lots of references to previous films. I think this is where yeah. I I got the the joke because I don't do comic books as as a lot of people know. I just I don't find them very interesting. I don't have an awful lot of time for comic books. Uh, I I have time for stupid violent action and really good comedy, and Deadpool is both of those things. Uh, there are lots of laughs in it, aren't there? Oh, I mean, it's just a it is really, a gag reel. Really proper, like the same joke each time, had me crying with laughter. Like three times within four days, I I had the same joke that had me had tears in my eyes. Uh. It's also weird, like, the expressionism that Ryan Reynolds manages to sort of put into his character when he's got a mask on all the time that has no eyebrows, that has no mouth yeah. or anything. And you, and you it, can see everything. You can see the anger, you can see the sarcasm, you can see the everything. The astonished sort of yeah. face he pulls when he's with uh, Colossus and, uh, oh, Negasonic Teenage Warhead. What the shit? I love it. <laughs> I just and the proper moody teen. I really thought she was going to be a shit character when I saw her in the trailer. And Bri- yeah, I, Brianna Hildebrand, I think yeah. the actress is. She but in fact, she just, she just kept get, getting nicknames from from Deadpool, and that was it. Yeah, being called yeah. Sinead O'Connor and. <laughs> it is so funny. You really are missing out on this one, Paul. I think you're gonna to have to find time to go back. I to will. We will. We will. We will. We'll go. As soon as half term is finished, we will dive in and see it. Oh yeah, of course, half term, isn't it? That's that would explain it. Perfect time as well, because it's only a fifteen rated film. You know, this this thing is going to do monster numbers. In I mean, could film. could it have been an eighteen? Should it have been an eighteen? There was oh. some quite there's some quite graphic violent scenes in there, and and limbs falling off and bits, and there was um some pegging. <laughs> <laughs> I think. The, the, look, um, look it up. It's nothing to do with putting your washing out. I'm not explaining it on here. I think the, there are lots Would you of... like us to explain it, Steve? You can, you can do what you want. I'm not going into it. I've done enough to get myself in trouble. Well, and, and when, let's and, and and, and the and audience's imagination. And when, and when Brooker was talking about all the problems with American football and, and injuries and players in the NFL, I, I avoided making a, a joke about Adam Johnson uh, and bit my tongue there. So I'm not getting into any more controversy this week. <laughs> 
I do kind of want to. I after I watched Deadpool the first time around, I started reading some reviews because I'd done really well and I avoided everything until I finished a watching it and b writing my own review. Uh, and when I started reading other people's reviews, some people are sensitive motherfuckers, aren't they? Yeah, there is that. There's. I saw one reviewer, and this, I, I respect them as a person. I've never read one of their film reviews before, but they actually work for a video game website that I spend a lot of time on, and they started ragging on this film about the transphobic jokes pointed at Gina Carano, and you know what? There ain't any, none, absolutely none, absolute bollocks. What it, what was it claiming was a transphobic joke? When he says that she's really strong, I'm calling Wang. Yeah. You're going to have to explain that one to me. So when you first see Gina Carano mm-hmm. and she holds Ryan Reynolds down and ties him up. Yeah. And she says, he says to her, you're really strong. I'm calling Wang. Oh, right. Okay. It doesn't okay. mean he's going to give okay. his Chinese mate a ring. No. <laughs> wow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Jesus, Steve, that's yeah. Oh my god. Oh. But so yeah. I, I literally, because I went, I saw it the second time, and I went, well, that surely can't be it. You know, that can't be the joke you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, and then the third time I watched, it, I went, no, that it has to be that. It has to be. It's the only thing, even close to that. That may be the most sensitive I've seen anybody be about a joke, ever. But the film seems to take swipe at everyone. Well, this is it. It's, it's equal opportunities offence. It it swings at everyone. And to be fair, you know, he calls one character, you know, various, you know, offensive versions of gay more than he calls yeah, yeah, folk. Yeah. But n- no one's picked up on that. You know, if you're going to get outraged, get outraged at fucking everything. Stuck up twats. <laughs> There is the thing, though, with Deadpool in that <clears throat> the point of it is to cause offence. And yep. so, presumably, um, you know, the writers behind this film, I think, are uh, comic book writers or have been involved in comic books. I think it's TJ Miller, yeah. uh, who we've got on the IMDb page. Marina Baccarin and Ryan Reynolds is also part of the writing team. I think you've got, oh, sorry, the actors. You've got Paul Wernick, who, or Wernick, possibly. Uh, Rhett Reese behind the Deadpool character, so I think they would probably feel like they've succeeded if people are complaining. But the thing is, I mean, I would be—I wouldn't say a word, and because I'm a straight white guy, I wouldn't actually be allowed to say anything. If it was actually anything about anything being, I wouldn't be allowed to say anything if it was actually a transphobic joke. But to say, "Oh, you're strong. You must be a man." Fuck off. That's not transphobic at all. That's just you pulling out some faux fucking outrage for extra clicks for your stupid, cunty little website. (laughs) Just stop it. Stop being offended at every little fucking thing. And it doesn't really matter if people are offended in this situation, I don't think, because it's the point. The yeah. point is to offend. That's why all these jokes are very crude, very crass, why every other sentence has a swear word in it. Yeah. Um, it's the, the idea is that it's it's supposed to cause offence for lots of people. I do, uh, I do think Fox, while they've done a really good thing with this film, I think they might have created a rod for their own back a little bit. 
because they really upped the ante for all the crap comic book movies they keep putting out. Well, that's it. I mean, talking about Fox and you've got Fantastic Four. Well, they've got X-Men Apocalypse in a couple of months. No, and X-Men Apocalypse. No way that shapes up against Deadpool, not in a million years. I mean, perhaps perhaps one of the things with Deadpool, that, as well as the, the, the script and the performance and everything, that made it uh, what it was, was it hasn't got such a big plot. The bad guy isn't like some all-encompassing guy bent on global domination. He's just some guy who doesn't like Deadpool. Yeah. Mm. And, and and wants Deadpool because de- he knows certain stuff about him, but just doesn't like the guy either. And Deadpool doesn't like him. And that's it. It's not. I yeah. want to take over the world. I want to blow up New York. It's. I just don't. We just don't like each other. He's done stuff to piss me off, and now he kidnapped the bird. And I don't like him because he knows all this stuff about my secret project and he's a bit of a dickhead. Yeah, I think that kind of plays into the thing with Deadpool is it's really simple, isn't it? Mm. And you look at, well, I mean, just look at like Age of Ultron from last year. I mean, it's two and a half hours long, clearly had half an hour, 40 minutes cut from it and still far too convoluted. Yeah. yeah. Deadpool, an hour and 40 minutes of simplicity. It was, as far as comic book films from the last few years... It was a breath of fresh air. And it just didn't give a single solitary fuck about what it was putting on the screen. It was lovely. I didn't even think it was smug. I didn't even no. think that it was very... I mean, of course, it's quite self-aware, because as we've talked about with it's the character... It, yeah, you know, he sort of nods and winks literally into the camera lens at yeah. points. Um, but at the same time, it didn't give the impression of being snobby about other superhero films. It was just like, you know that thing that happens in every superhero film? Ta-da! Isn't yeah. that a bit weird and a bit, like... It's it's like observational humour. Yeah. And some people we... hate observational humour. Right, towards, towards the end of the film, as the uh, the last... Also, I won't spoil it for anybody, but the last uh, confrontation, if you like, when he, uh, he gets really excited about the move that's about to be pulled off. I sat yeah. there giggling my ass off the entire way through. I thought it was great. Mm-hmm. That was absolutely mm-hmm. brilliant. Yeah, it, it it you sometimes worry with a film like this. It isn't an out and out comedy that the jokes are just going to come because even in comedies, jokes don't often come thick and fast. And in the comedy, you know, every scene, every, every literally every scene, and sometimes the comedies that do have them in every single scene, just to the the worst kind of comedies. But this one worked. And yeah, it, and it, I mean, it, worked, it, it, it worked being meta, it worked being self-referential, it worked poking fun at itself. I mean, one of the credit scenes even kind of references another film that breaks the fourth wall as a kind of, look, we're a film that breaks the fourth wall. Yeah, well, we, we haven't actually got a spoiler alert on this podcast, um, and so, Paul, feel free to stick your fingers in your ears <laughs> for, the, for this little bit of information, but there is a Deadpool 2, and we know who is going to feature in Deadpool 2. We know the character. Have you guys heard about this? Well, yeah, because yeah. it's in the post-credits scene. And you, okay, because I didn't stick around to watch either of them. There's two apparently. Yeah, there's, there's one... it's one directly after the other. Yeah, there's yeah. there's there's one which is just uh, rips on Ferris Bueller's Day Off, which I love. Mm. <laughs> um. Oh yeah, and uh, yeah. Anyway, I'm not going to say what it is, but the 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 idea that it's done so well. I think 70 million yeah. in the UK 
alone on its opening weekend at Valentine's weekend yeah. as well. Well, is that down to the marketing in that poster of True Love Never Dies and, <laughs> and Ryan Reynolds and the, and the, and the, uh, the girl sat in like a field? Yeah. I hope people have fallen for that. Yeah. Uh, it, but that's, again, that's also it being very self-aware about Ryan Reynolds' his, his, like, persona in the media. Of He's that handsome guy who does rom-coms. Well, he's pushed this film, hasn't he? He's... he's the, well, this, uh, this film, it's, it's his film, isn't it? It's, he... He was the one who wanted it, basically. Yeah. He needed it. He did. I mean... Although, although, he's on a little bit of a... Uh, a run at the moment, a bit of a streak. Because did you watch The Voices, Paul? I yes. can't remember. With Great film, isn't it? Yeah, I, I loved it. It's a fantastic film. So between this and the Deadpool... Yeah, but yeah, the, the Voices is not... That wasn't that wasn't money. This is money. Oh, well, no, the problem... Oh, this is, voices, this is it was, money. It wasn't marketed very well. It didn't get a proper release, really, over here. Yeah. Uh, or in the States, really. It was in and out of the States quite quickly as a, as a bit of a shitty limited release. This... Fucking hell! This is you know it's blown. It's, it's like the most successful R-rated film in the states for years. Mm-hmm. Well, the fact that it got a um, a sequel commissioned on its opening weekend alone is enough, isn't it? I, Dude, I that did... leaves me worried a little bit, though. I Do you reckon? yeah, I mean, it's a, don't get me wrong, I love it, and you know, I I would go watch it a million more times, but I don't want them to ruin it by trying to just churn out money-making sequels. Popularising it, yeah. perhaps. Diluting what made it so good in the first yeah. book. I mean, because there's talk of crossovers, <laughs> sequels, and all of that, and you go, well, that's great, but you can't cross over your not-family-friendly Deadpool with your family-friendly X-Men without something having to give. I... Well, that's the th- that was the problem with the um, marketing beforehand. We even talked about it on this podcast a week or two ago about that it was getting to oversaturation point yeah. where it, it was funny and each new bit, you know, each new trailer, like the thing in the Super Bowl yeah. or the it stuff with the Man very close to, to not being, you know, to, I was about to sit down and just watch all the, the adverts back to back. Yeah, yeah. It was treading that line of, okay, it's getting to the point now where... You're overdoing it. And now we've seen it, though. I, I, I think they've done very well. And it wasn't all the good bits in the trailer. No, nowhere even close to all the good bits in the trailer. It's probably got one of my favourite action scenes for a long time as well. The uh, the bullet countdown at the beginning. Yeah, oh, just such a good scene. The whole like first 30 minutes of this film is really, really good. It's just completely solid. I think it does wane slightly. It tapers off a little bit when when you're doing the actual origin bit. Uh, yeah, when it's going back to his the romance stuff, and you, you know he announces she's, that it's uh, all... she's walking the dog, so she can't hear me say this. <laughs> I'm I will happily sit and watch Marina Baccarin on absolutely anything, and, <laughs> okay. and the more she's on my screen, the happier I am. Right. Okay. So I'm quite happy for the flashback stuff. Yeah. There's a lot of um, nudity. There's a lot of crudeness again, um, but it it works in the context of what the yeah. film is trying to be. Just, just out of interest, I haven't seen uh, a Wolverine Origins. I doubt there was any fourth wall breaking from him playing Deadpool. Now, but was he allowed to play Deadpool in a similar way? Was he a he, wise? Or was he just no? Like, he played. Was he just he like hence the number Wilson. one called Deadpool? Ex- yeah. 
exactly that, uh, as Brooks said. He played Wade Wilson. He didn't really play Deadpool. In yeah. fact... He did play fact, Wade Wilson very well. I'll give him that. As shit as he was the was. best thing, innit? Was Wade by Wilson was thing. really good. But the, the Deadpool thing at the end... Uh, no, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know if you guys read comic books, any comic books. Yeah, I do. Comic books. Yeah. So you'll have to tell me, because I, I do know at least one of Deadpool's arcs is mm-hmm. he was created with the Weapon X program. That's right. So, he was the uh, same. Like, well, yeah, okay, for people who don't know... Which is how Wolverine we got Wolverine and, yeah. and how we got Deadpool in... Uh, and Sabretooth and all those yeah. like popular Marvel assassin-type characters. But was, the, there, the other thing... was there a creation arc where it was similar to what we saw in the film? Um, I can't. I don't think I've ever actually read a Deadpool origin story. Oh, okay. There's a there's a couple of stories that Sins of the Past, I think, is the first one, which talks about his becoming and stuff. Yeah. But that's mainly about him getting cancer because that's yeah. like the thing of his his character is that he's terminally ill and he ends up with a an ability to regenerate. Yeah. And etc. But um, in the in Wolverine Origins. The guy who plays Deadpool is Scott Adkins. The the, martial arts guy. The martial arts guy who's in every other film when you need a sort of fast, uh, uh, strong-looking British guy to kick some ass. He's in the Ninja films and he was in Expendables 2 and all that kind of thing. Um, I did. Uh... He actually plays Deadpool in that. It's not Ryan Reynolds. And the, the other thing about that is that he can't speak. No. He's got his mouth covered up. But Deadpool's like moniker is that he's the merc no, with the mouth. mouth. Yeah. Yeah. Which really fucking pissed off loads of. I know. Die hard, I mean, I don't like. I say I get to. I get to watch these films just on the strength of their films yeah which is quite quite uh, good which is it? it's, it's, it's a nice way to go watch them so i've got so many mates that are comic book uh fans yeah uh they just go oh you know deadpool was shit because they've sewed his mouth and no deadpool was shit because he was the shit yeah the <clears throat> i mean i used to spend a lot of money on reading comics i don't think i've actually bought any for the past three or four years but you know there was a point in my life where i was spending like 50 quid a month on comic books and Deadpool has never been one that I picked up regularly. Cable and Deadpool. If you're going to read anything for Dead with Deadpool in it, just for anyone who's curious, Cable and Deadpool is the best Deadpool comics that I read. And it's definitely where I would recommend people start. And you can pick up the trade paperbacks quite cheaply. It's got all the humour. It's got um, a lot of the uh, entertainment value, all the kind of things you expect from Deadpool Plus all the stuff with Cable, which is quite interesting as well, if you've got any interest in Marvel I, comics. I did like the uh, the two the two nods to crap Deadpool in the new film as well. <laughs> the little toy, yeah. <laughs> it was great. And and, and uh, yeah. Ed's, Ed's Green threatening to sew his mouth shut. Yeah, and there was um, references to Green Lantern. Yes. And Batman and Robin yep. in a Marvel film. <laughs> Which is, it doesn't seem like it's a big thing, but it is Yeah. for them to acknowledge Batman and Robin. <laughs> I mean, come on, who expected that? Yeah. So um, I think, unless there's anything else anyone's got to say on Deadpool. Uh, not like I think of. Um, should we go on to our recommendations then? Oh, yes. Yeah? Sounds like Owen hasn't got one, so we'll go to him last. Well, like, I, I do kind of have one, yeah. Okay. 
Well, uh, Brooke, why don't you start us off then? Uh, okay, so going against everything I said earlier about never ever watching documentaries, on iPlayer for the next 20 days is the world's most de- or the world's the most dangerous band in the world, the story of Guns N' Roses. <laughs> um, Paul, we haven't heard from you for a while. Uh, I've gone for a film I picked up in Tesco's that I'd heard about, a British low-budget uh, gangstery type thing, uh, which stars Craig Fairbrass, who, do you know what? I actually really like. I think he's really good at what he does. Um, it's called Breakdown. You've got Tama Hassan rocks up. It's about a hitman. has a kind of a little bit of a breakdown. His employers are not happy with this, and it turns into a really brutal revenge flick. Really good. DVD, a few quid in Tesco's, VOD, a few quid in Amazon. Really good. It's, okay. um, it's not produced by Jonathan Zofka, is it, by no. any chance? No? Really? No, 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 no. Wow. Okay. Because um, he talked about on that documentary, The Great Gangster Film Fraud. Where his main audience are people who pick up films like that in Tesco. I know. Do <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Because I, I bought this that film literally a few days before, after. Sorry, a few days before I saw that documentary, and I thought, "Oh fuck, that's me." <laughs> <laughs> You're his target audience. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Friday night on film four, five past eleven is Flash Gordon. Owen. Yeah, so I am going to recommend... I haven't really had much chance to watch films lately, but High Plains Drifter has just recently been added to Netflix. It's not going to be a film for everybody, but it's Clint Eastwood's second directorial feature. It's a Western film from 1973. Of course, it's a Western film. (laughs) He plays like a drifter who turns up in this town and is a right proper bastard. Not a heroic John Wayne figure. He does some really despicable shit in that film. Uh, it's an 18-rated film. And I think just from like what we've talked about in Deadpool, there's no nudity in High Plains Drifter, but it is deservedly so. It's pretty brutal. Um, it's worth a watch, but just bear in mind, it's possibly... I mean, it. I found it quite controversial, and I'm used to watching these sort of films. So, yeah. Just go in with that little warning beforehand. But it's a good film, I think. Okay, well, that is then all for this week's Failed Critics podcast. Um, we'll be back next week, Owen, with, you're going to tell us. We will probably talk about whatever film is out next week. Well, oh, next week, we've got our Netflix Originals Triple Bill. There you go. Because you didn't, there fancy, we go. didn't fancy reviewing Triple Nine and Bone Tomahawk. We do not. Oh, Bo- oh, I do fancy Bone Tomahawk. If Bone Tomahawk's not uh, Cineworld, I haven't been able to pick it up, so it's not showing anywhere near me. Well, there you go, then. Next oh, copy or you could just said... review Triple Bone. Triple Bone. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Next week's Failed Critics podcast, subject to change. <laughs> TV triple C. Bone. Triple or, Bone. Triple Bone or a Netflix original Triple Bill. T- TBC. And we'll have another moan about the blocking of ISPs and this whole PayPal business. What? Are you with Uno Telly, Paul? Yes. Do you pay with your debit card? Or oh, do you pay- yeah, like- they put the PayPal thing. Yeah, I, I, PayPal I've had to, do you know what? I actually had about five reminders. I need to switch to a credit card. Yeah, I have decided to cancel rather than give them credit card details. Mm, that's true, actually. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, so I think that's going to affect a lot of people. I know from reading online, it's affected people with Uno Telly as well. Yeah, that's, what I, that's what I have, Uno Telly. Oh, sorry, not Uno Telly. I mean the other one, US Unblock. Unblock US. 
Unblock US, yeah. I think a lot of people have had the same thing there as well. So we will possibly try and cover that a little bit again on the, on the Netflix podcast, but we'll also look at our sort of favourite Netflix original shows and characters and stuff like that. The Failed Critics Podcast is presented by Steve Norman and Owen Hughes, created by James Diamond, with original music provided by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com, remixed by James Yule of JamesYule.com. You can find us at failedcritics.com, on Twitter at failedcritics, and Facebook at facebook.com forward slash failedcritics. Thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.